Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 93 of Chasing Childhood. My name is Steph. And I'm Lex. And we are a weekly podcast where we revisit our favorite childhood movies and video games to see if they still hold up as adults. For this whole month of July, we are going to be reviewing some nostalgic sequels. Bold choice, Cotton. I hope it works out for us. Um, (laughs) Starting with reviewing the pinnacle of all enemies to lovers storylines. It sure is. We are going to be rewatching the HBIC herself, Miss Amelia Mignonette Thermopolis Rinaldi, try to find love in The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. It gets spicy. It sure does. Yeah, this movie means so much to me as a person. (laughs) So does this movie still hold up? Is Lord Nicholas Devereaux still stealing our hearts today with his extra fluffy hair? Yes. Are we absolutely (laughs) insane for reviewing a month of sequels because they're never as good as the originals? It is time to find out. So The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement is a 2004 American romantic comedy film directed by Gary Marshall and written by Shonda Rhimes from a story by Rhimes and Gina Wenkinsand. Unlike the original 2001 film, the sequel is not based on any of Meg Cabot's books, but is based on characters created by the author. Princess Diaries 2 was produced by Whitney Houston and Deborah Martin Chase, and much of the original cast returned to reprise their roles. This includes Julie Andrews, the icon, Anne Hathaway, Hector Elizondo, Heather Matarazzo, and Larry Miller. John Reese davies Callum Blue, and Chris Pine in his feature film debut also joined the cast. Although this film was not critically acclaimed, it did rake in about $134.7 million worldwide on a $45 million budget, and development of a third Princess Diaries film has been discussed since the sequel premiered. Unfortunately, after director Gary Marshall passed away in 2016, the third installment was shelved indefinitely. But in 2016, Hector Elizondo said in an interview, I feel like I have to do Joe's voice for this, I know Anne would like to do it. I know Julie would like to do it. I would like to do it. So we're on board. It's a question of when and a question of getting a good story. <laughs> so fast forward to January 2019. Anne Hathaway apparently confirmed that a script is completed, but that the film will not enter production until, and I quote, it's perfect. Oh, as it should. As End it should. Quote. Yes. So if you haven't seen this movie since you were too piccola, or if you've <laughs> never had the pleasure of drooling over Mia's walk-in closet, here's an extremely quick plot summary written by an anonymous author on IMDb. Now settled in Genovia, Princess Mia faces a new revelation. She is being primed for an arranged marriage to an English suitor. I love that the lead up to the plot summary was longer than the actual plot summary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> great. gave nothing away. <laughs> so good. So let's get into our fun facts. Let's do it. So our first is that the duet between Queen Clarice, Julie Andrews, and Princess Asana, Raven Simone, was, it's called The Crown and Glory. It was the first time Julie Andrews had sung in public or on screen since she had throat surgery in 1997. This is why this movie, I'm going to like cry. This movie is so. Let it out. Let it out. to me. I mean, Julie Andrews, yeah, literally just didn't sing 
her, I mean, it's one of the most famous tales of like medical malpractice where Julie Andrews vocal cords were so horrifically destroyed in that surgery and she just wasn't able to sing. And it was such a sore spot for so many people. Yeah. And especially of course for her and just the fact that she loved this franchise so much that she came back and was like, yeah, I'll sing for the first time ever. And I think the last time ever, and she did it for this franchise. Like, I get emotional. I get a little teary just kind of thinking about it. I just love her. And her normal voice is so relaxing. It's almost like she's already singing. It's like it's yeah. a part of her. I love her so much. Yeah, she's just so musically gifted with her yeah. voice. And then our second fun fact is that in the beginning scenes, when Princess Mia is explaining what has gone on since the first movie, she says that she and Michael have broken up and he's now touring with his band. And Robert Schwartzman, who played Michael in the first movie, actually declined to do this movie in order to focus on his band Rooney, which was touring the country <laughs> at the time that this was being made. So she That's was funny. correct. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So I do have to share something really funny that happened with you yet. Um with us yesterday um so my sisters and I are going to a Backstreet Boys concert this month and in order to get excited we started playing some songs and we were like Maya we have to show you some of their songs because we have to like get you cultured right (laughs) Maya's my four-year-old niece so that turned into us showing her other artists like Britney Spears Christina Aguilera Shania Twain like we showed her Destiny's Child yes and during Destiny's Child music, like one of their music videos, she was like, Mom, like talking to my sister, I want to be her for Halloween. Like talking Aww. about Beyonce from Beyonce. the Survivor music video. Yes. I loved it so much. I was like, Dimitri. Dimitri's my brother-in-law. I was like, get her a Beyonce outfit now. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like half clothed in the music yeah. video. She's like, it's so funny. She, so yeah, my niece wants to be Beyonce for Halloween. Dude, we all want to be Beyonce. For <laughs> I want to be Beyonce every day. Every day of my life. <laughs> so how much did we watch The Princess Diaries 2 as kids? Um, I haven't stopped watching The Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> I watched this in theaters when it first came out. This movie is actually the origin of my beef with critics. Ooh. When this came out, I remember, we've talked about it before, but like my mom used to get a bunch of magazines delivered to our house. One of them was People Magazine, and they'd have like a critic section where they'd review all the movies that are out. And one of them was The Princess Diaries 2. And I I remember critics slammed this movie. They were like, this is a horrible remake. It's bad, blah, blah, blah. And so I was a little nervous because my mom and I, like I said, we had bought tickets. So we were going to go see it in theaters. And we went and saw it in theaters. And we both were like, we really like this. Like, what? Yeah. (laughs) The critics are so wrong. Like, yes, it's not the same vibe quite as like the first one, but it was good (laughs) and so yeah I have never stopped watching this I maintain to everybody that this is a national treasure that everyone should see so that's my take what about you (laughs) I probably haven't seen this in a decade it's been a long time um I definitely watched the first movie more this movie I've probably seen about five or six times I would say yeah but I always gravitated towards the first one Because I loved her whole, like, transformation, her whole, like, glow up, everything, like, her sticking it to the bullies, everything like that. 
Yeah, the first one has the late 90s, early, early 2000 vibe of it. Right. Which it like really firmly sticks to. And this one feels more coming into mid 2000s, like closer to the 2010s. Like it feels more of that kind of vibe, if that makes sense. Right. People who have like watched early 2000s movies know like the difference. Like there's. Yeah, there's ones that feel very, like, leftover 90s, and there's ones, like, Mean Girls that feel very, like, coming into the 2000s. Like, I feel like the the style of movie grew with Mia. Yeah, 100%. Which I don't mind. I actually kind of like that. Yeah, Um, yeah, totally. So, let's get into it. What was it like for us to rewatch this stuff for the millionth time and me for like the <laughs> sixth or seventh time? Um, I mean, like I said, I I, I, I continue to watch this. Um, Steph's like end end scene. Curtains, roll the curtains, get us out of here. This is so funny because I feel like a lot of people either don't watch this movie or have seen it once and they either forgot about it or just like don't talk about it. And it was actually one of my very best friends um, we met in college and we lived in an apartment with four girls. And I will never forget coming out of my bedroom and she she's like having a hard day and she's like yeah I'm just gonna like sleep in here today and I'm gonna watch Princess Diaries too because it's one of my favorite movies and I was like like another person (laughs) person (laughs) who loves this movie as much as I do oh my goodness but yeah this re-watching it is just I don't know the enemies to lovers has always stuck with me as like a massive foundation of like what I enjoy in romances (laughs) think it's because of this movie and that's really funny that you said that too because i noticed that in this movie it not only is like enemies to lovers but it's also love at first sight at least on mia's part um like nicholas obviously is trying to steal her crown but mia like when she first saw him she was like "Ooh, hello yeah i mean how can you not it's chris pine him and his fluffy hair I cannot get over him he was such a well-kept secret and so attractive and just like Perfect. Like only people who had watched Princess Diaries 2 knew of him until he joined Star Trek. But like he for like those four or five years, he was such a well-kept secret from like the greater public. I'm sorry, but he looks like he just walked out of a Maybelline commercial. Like this man, it's like maybe he was born with it. Maybe it's just deceit. You know what I mean? Like it's his hair is so big. He's the most underrated Chris of all the Chris's, I would say. It reminded me of... um, of mean girls when they're like, why is his hair so big? It's full of secrets. <laughs> hair higher than my will to live. Um, <laughs> but, but it was so good. So I also loved that like Shonda Rhimes worked on this because she wrote it. <laughs> I love it because like not only did she work on this, but then she went on to do Bridgerton and That's like had exactly Julie what Andrews. I was had Julie Andrews narrate I was like what an icon I love it it's just perfect it's like Shonda Rhimes got her enemies to lovers practice on this and then she brought it to Bridgerton season two and perfected it you know yes so Laura Devereaux or Anthony Bridgerton asking for a friend ooh um Anthony Bridgerton, just because he's completely feral, like at all times, like he is no chill. <laughs> the man will tell you that he's a gentleman and then do the sluttiest thing you've ever yes. seen in your whole life. <laughs> 
you're so right. And he's like, I'm a gentleman, and now I'm going to do absolutely the most unhinged stuff you've ever seen. I am gentleman. Hear me roar. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, and we're about to be really inappropriate. Yes. I I have a soft spot in my heart for Anthony Bridgerton, so I completely Yes. I completely agree. You get me. Yes. Um, so I, I understand your love of feral men. Like, <laughs> but sorry, like, Tyler. Lord Devereaux. No, Tyler knows. He's seen me Tyler, freak out of her Tyler. <laughs> but like, yeah. So like, I love Lord Devereaux in this. I think he, for his feature film debut, Chris Pine did great in this. Like he was yeah. awesome right out of he the gate. He had some BDE, like big yeah. time BDE. Yeah, well, he and Anne Hathaway just had great chemistry. Like, that's one thing I will say about this one compared to the first. I thought she had so much more chemistry with Chris Pine than she did with Michael from the first one. Agreed. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because Chris is such an open partner and made it easy for her. Maybe the writing was better. I don't know. But like, yeah, they're all of their scenes, every single one, the eye contact, the closeness. Yeah. He really played into it and she fed off it because she's also everyone who knows Anne Hathaway. She's a very giving actress. She gives Mm -hmm. you a lot and she takes everything that you give her and works with it. So, uh, yeah, they just had some of the best scenes and. I think if their chemistry hadn't been on point, the enemies to lovers would not have been believable and would right. not have worked. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, so I kind of wrote my notes like in chronological order, like as I was watching the movie. So Love it. Uh, I'm going to start with saying it makes me sad that we don't see her in college at all. I'm like torn about this because, yes, I agree. I wanted to see her in the in-between, but then I'm also yeah. like how played out would Mia being a princess in college like would it be more of the same of yeah like the first one of her like trying to navigate school while being a super famous princess I agree but I kind of wish that they had been like with the intro monologue kind of part how I kind of wish that they had like a photo montage of yeah, her, like, yeah yeah going through college yeah I agree I would have liked that I don't want to see them like do a storyline or have part of the storyline in college I would definitely like, though, yeah, I agree with you, to see, like, photos of her or maybe even just, like, a montage while she's talking of, like, her in college and things that she was doing. But, yeah, right. I would want, like, a storyline, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also thought it was funny because any actual country would be, like, a 21-year-old American is coming to rule us. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, hell no. I cannot. I. It's just so funny to me because she... It, they made it seem like she had really only been to Genovia after her senior year of high school and then she went to college and then she's coming back for like right. the first time. And I'm like, she's it it seems like she really hasn't spent much time there and now she's about to be queen. It's just kinda like, why? You know, like she should have been going like back and forth while she was in college. Yeah. Yeah. It I agree with you. Yeah. It was just kind of like, and now she's back and it's like how many times has she been here? Like, how often right. does she actually go here? She doesn't really, like, know the people, which, I mean, kind of plays into this movie where she has to yeah. learn the people and, you know, learn what's actually going on in the country. But, yeah, it, yeah, I would also, like, be, like, weirded out if it was like, yes, and now this person will come and rule our country, but they've never actually lived here or grown up here or been here, which, like I said, is is a focal point of this because Nicholas has, so. Right. Um. So 
Another part that kind of stuck out to me, and this is probably a super unpopular opinion, was that we're just going to act like Joe didn't off King Rupert. Like, okay. <laughs> Lex texted me this while she was watching the movie. Like, okay. This man's like, I know how many countries I have diplomatic immunity in. I'm like, that's suspicious. That's weird. <laughs> like, Joe had to do what he had to do to get his own happy Joe, ending. <laughs> Joe is a stone cold killer. This man, like, anytime they said, King Rupert, may he rest in peace. I'm pretty sure I heard Joe in the background, like, pieces. Like, <laughs> You're not slick, Joe. We heard you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Joe, listen, the man's had to do it to him. He had to do what he had he's, to do. He's like, this is my lady. This is my lady now. I love her. I would do, <laughs> I would do anything for love. But he just, I love, I love Joe. I love him so much. Yeah. We talked about my favorite line in this, which I think is one of the most metal lines that's ever said in like a kid, young adult movie is in any movie. Joe confronts Nicholas's uncle, who is also Gimli in Lord of the Rings for those who picked (laughs) up on it. I didn't. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So he tells it. He tells Joe, he's like, you will find that fear is not in my vocabulary. And then Joe just looks at this man and goes, no, but it's in your eyes. Oh, and I'm like, ah, that is the most <laughs> metal line like that. And uh, who is it? Uh, Steve Buscemi in Spy Kids, too. When he's like, do you think God stays in heaven? Because he, too, is afraid of his monsters that he's created. Oh and gosh. I'm like, y'all, these are children's movies. Why are the lines so metal? Yes. <laughs> like, honestly, that line from Joe was on par with if anyone's seen Multiverse of Madness. Like, I'm sorry for spoiling it for you, but there's one scene where Wanda, I'm not going to tell you who she says it to, but she's like, is their mother alive? Good, because that means your kids will have someone to raise them when you, like, basically when she kills them. And I was like, right. what? Like, yeah. Joe popped off. Joe is the Scarlet Witch. He's just like, he's an icon and I love him. Yeah, we love Joe. I, yeah, I have never, because I never have Joey. Yeah, (laughs) Joe. (laughs) Yeah, I, Joe is just one of those characters where his general writing and character are almost like a, they're like a focal point, right? Like they're, they're like baseline and they're sort of the foundation. And I'm glad that he didn't change. They didn't try to like make him more funny or you know more warm you know in the second one like they kind of kept like he's aloof yeah but he is giving Mia advice you know like he does in the first no one can make you feel inferior without your consent and he takes care of her but he never loses like the core Jonas of him and I like that I like when they keep characters writing essentially like their characterization the same across movies because it makes you feel yeah. like you are watching a continuation and yeah. not just like we're doing a sequel for funsies definitely it feels very consistent and they didn't yeah. do any cheap ploys to like get laughs or anything um yeah it was it was really well done at least like on joe's part and everything 100 percent. Um, i love the part where they're like she'll have a double door entrance for the queen and i'm like as she deserves <laughs> as julie, she deserves if Julie Andrews in real life does not have a double door entrance at all times, like we are doing a disservice. We are, we have failed as a community. Yeah. Listen, Joe got his happy ending. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> like he got to marry Mary Poppins. I'm just saying. It's like, yeah, you can't go up from there. Yeah. Um, love it. So I will say, I don't know how much I liked the villains storyline, like the uncle. Um, 
I kind of wished that we had not known who the actual villain is until the end. Um, mm, because okay. this is one of those movies, like, it kind of took me by surprise how early they admitted that, like, the uncle was trying to steal the throne and then Nicholas was, like, was trying to get the crown as well. Um, and then they kind of had to, like, live with each other because the queen was like, keep your enemies closer, basically. But it just... Like, leave it to Disney to lay everything out blatantly. Like, when Mia was walking and then the, her crown got knocked off and he was like, someone might steal that from you. Like, that line was really good. But then two seconds later, he's like, someone like me. I'm like, nobody else heard that? Really? Like, was, <laughs> that was not needed. Like, I kind of wish that that had been left a mystery for a little while. Yeah, I agree for like some of the mystery, though. I do think revealing that Nicholas is also in line for the throne yeah. um, was crucial to their whole enemies to lovers thing. Like it was crucial for them to like already be against each other and know they're competing for it. And then yeah. for that to like blossom, because I guess my only thing is like if they had hit it for longer, would Mia have like forgiven him you know or like would it have been like a thing where like she's falling for nicholas the whole movie and then finds out closer to like yeah. i guess a marriage that he was betraying her and is that like a bigger betrayal would she have been able to come back from that right which i think poses like an interesting question yeah and even with that being said like i also think that it was kind of um anticlimactic at least in a way to have them just be kind of sitting back and like sabotaging Mia the entire time because right. it's like, yeah, you're trying to get the crown by making her look bad. But at the same time, what are you guys offering the country? You know, like I wish that they had been oh, sabotaging like propped up her. Nicholas? Yeah, like I wish that they had been sabotaging her, but then have Nicholas go to the orphanage, have Nicholas do yeah. something to prove that he's actually a better ruler, you know, like, because they were just kind of sitting back and being like, oh, watch this happen, you know, like, yeah, you're not really showing that you can rule by making her look bad and not enhancing yourself you know like you're yeah. not proving anything oh yeah I mean they were definitely trying to kind of princess Diana her where yeah. it's like we're not gonna make ourselves look any better but we are gonna try to make you look bad in the public eye yeah. and make you look scandalous and make you look like you're just not fit but you know Mia really does take on a princess Diana role in this where she becomes the people's princess and yeah that's that's kind of how I felt as well it was just sort of like we're going to make you look bad. We're not really going to do anything on our own end, but you're like the supposed to be the Princess Diana of this. So you're the, I mean, I get it. It's, you know, it's yeah. all about Mia. The whole story is supposed to revolve around her. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it would have been nice to have Nicholas kind of step in and yeah. sort of make himself look really good. And I think if anything, yeah. that could have helped the enemies to lovers. It's like, oh my God, you're always showing me up and you're always yes. like stepping in to save the day. And that's so annoying. Just let me do it, you know? And that was like kind of my issue with the writing as well, because like, for example, there was no reason for that one boy who like shows the horse, the snake to help the uncle at all. Like there wasn't, he wasn't given any money. He wasn't like threatened at all. He was just like, oh, her right. horse is scared of snakes. Here's a fake snake. Make her scared. Right. Maybe the implication is that he was supposed to be paid off, but like you'd yeah. want to see that, you know? Yeah, and, like, because there was no real reason for him to help him. But even in that scenario, it would have been better if he was, like, 
her horse is scared of snakes here. And then he gives him the snake and then Nicholas comes and saves Mia. And so the headline is now like Nicholas Devereaux, like hero yeah. of the day, you know, like it just it kind of seemed like some of the writing was wishy-washy because even in the part where she's like exploring the castle and she just all of a sudden shows up at the right place to like look through the peephole. Oh it's yeah, like, the plot holes are like, numerous in this. There's so many plot holes in this movie. There's craters. <laughs> There's plot craters, guys. Um, but it just it stuff like that. I was like, really, really, yeah. this is what we're doing. Yeah, I think perhaps the biggest plot hole in this movie is the fact that. They've suddenly decided that she has to be married and she must be married by like her birthday or whatever. And Dude, she ha- that has to happen what? in a certain amount of time. Yes. But then on her wedding day, when she just makes a speech about how she doesn't want to be married and she will be ruling alone and ruling as a single woman. I feel like all of this could have been stopped if she had just given that speech like in the chambers that day. Because then everybody at the wedding just like stands up and is like, yeah, I like change. We should vote. And I'm like, this all yeah. could have been avoided. <laughs> and I was really annoyed by that because the queen was with parliament when they yeah. were like, when they were trying to decide on that. And first of all, they go from being like, oh, she needs to be married within the year to she gets 30 days. And I'm like, how did you guys make that jump? But also you guys are going to vote based off what the princess said. And not what yeah. the queen said. Like, yeah, that's that's wild to me because I feel like, like you said, the writing is like really strong in some places, yeah. and then places like this, you're like, why would Julie Andrews, like, why would Clarice not give a speech and be like, this yeah. is ridiculous? You know, it just doesn't make sense for her to just kind of stand there and be like, oh, I have no power here. I don't know what to do. Like, you're the queen. <laughs> like, say something. Yeah. So. And then it's just, it, it's so strange because then the writing and the part where it's like, I don't understand how hiding in a closet with Lord Devereaux is less sus than talking out in the open. You know, like I know she was trying right. to hide from her maids, but it looks worse when you're caught in a, in a like laundry room with someone who's not your fiance. It's so right. strange. Oh, but I did like her fiance. I really do like Andrew. I loved him. Andrew Jacoby was the sweetest muffin I've ever seen in my life. And then he ends up with what he ends up with Nicholas's date, right? The blonde girl. Yes. And it's so that's so sweet. I just I really liked him. I'm really glad that that character like obviously I'm sad that they uh that they don't like get married or anything because I think he's really sweet and he like deserves a happy life. But I'm glad one that they both mutually were like, yeah, there's just like no spark here, but like we're good friends, but they were still willing to go through with it. Yeah. I'm just also glad that he's such a nice guy. Um, I think this storyline would have been much harder to digest and deal with if he had been just like a jerk that she was set up with. And it was like, yeah, he's just comes from a good family and like, we just have to get this over with. I just like that he was basically like a friend to her um, yeah. through all of this. And they were sort of like propping each other up as friends, even if they didn't really feel like a romantic attraction to each other. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. I like that he could be her friend at the end. And I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. I mean, first of all, let's just acknowledge that Princess Diaries 2 invented Tinder. 
Um, I <laughs> thought that that was so funny. They were like, let next swipe, right? Like yeah. next swipe left. And they get to Prince William and yes. I was like, Ooh, girl, good pass. Cause he right. does not end up cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I completely agree. I was like, Andrew's such a sweetheart and she just kept yeah. embarrassing him the entire time. And then he, like, still went through with it. And I'm convinced. Yeah, he took it all, like, such a champ. Yes. Like, I'm convinced he's the Commodore Norrington of the PDU. Like, he is. He deserved so much better. And I felt so bad for him. Yeah, but I'm glad he got his own happy ending. Like, the end of this was basically everyone got their happy ending. Everybody got to be with the person they're supposed to be with, which I thought it was nice that they included him in that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I also love how they had four years while Mia was in college to finish her room, but just didn't like, (laughs) they're like, your room's not ready yet. And then when she goes in, like Lily's in there and we'll get into Lily. Mm We, we will get into Lily. We will get into Lily. (laughs) Um, but I just, I thought that was so funny that they're like, you have to stay here, like in a different room because your room's not ready yet I'm like you're in a castle and they're like do you want to share the queen's quarters like there's probably a million (laughs) other rooms she could stay in that bedroom from this movie is so iconic to me dreams yes everything about Mia's closet sets such a bar in my mind that I will never achieve I will never be at that level but like I think constantly about her remote control drawers that just come out and show different types of jewelry. Yes. And I don't even wear like jewelry that often. Yeah. <laughs> like if ever. And I'll wear like a necklace here and there. And yeah, it's just I just think of like all of the jewels coming out and right. like the display cabinet opening and it's got like essentially the Anastasia crown in it. Yes. <laughs> it's so pretty. I oh my was like obsessed with that as a kid. I was like, I will never have this, but I'm going to think about it. <laughs> I have like several Pinterest boards that I will never do anything <laughs> with. And I'm always like looking at cool ideas for rooms and stuff like that for the future. And I'm disappointed that none of them are Anne Hathaway's room from this movie because that's all I want for storage. Like, she has her own mall, as she says. It's amazing. I want it so bad. And then Lily pops out and I'm like, eh, I can do without that part. Yeah, honestly, I think that's probably why I like this movie, like, more than the first one or watch it more than the first one. Yeah. Because Lily isn't in most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because we got to talk about Lily. We have to, unfortunately. She's annoying, guys. Why? (laughs) Like, I just, I don't understand. I'm like, why is she here? And why is she in all the foreign affairs meetings? She is so annoying and she has no business being there. Yeah. Like, she's just friends with the princess. Why is she everywhere? Lily's also a bad friend. We've talked about this with the first movie. She's mean. She's mean and she's selfish and she's annoying. And I just don't like Lily, to be honest, as a character. I never have. Um, I liken her to the friends from The Devil Wears Prada, where they're supposed to be the good guys who are, like, making you see the light, but then you watch it as an adult and you're like, these people are crappy. Like, these are bad friends. They're not, they don't think about anybody but themselves and they're not supportive of you. And yeah, yeah, I've never liked Lily. I think she was more tolerable in this movie, but I still don't like her as a character. I think she's annoying. 
Seriously. I, the one part where she's like, you're getting married. Do something for yourself and go out with this guy who's not your fiance. Yeah. Who's like clearly not good for you at this point in time. Like, why? Why? Like, a real friend should have been like, listen, I know you like this guy, but like, you got to focus because you're getting married and this is not going to end well. Right. I just, I don't understand. I, I really, I loved Raven's character more as like a friend. Yes. I was like, can we see more of Raven? Yes. Yeah. I know people had an issue with Raven being in it because it felt like this was at the tail end of That's So Raven and Cheetah Girls and everybody was like, oh, this is very like Disney-fied. Yes. And like, sure. I think the whole Bachelorette party was kind of Disney-fied and like the whole little dance number, but- I would say it is no different than having Mandy Moore sing in the first one when we all knew at the time that Mandy Moore was an artist, you know, like yeah. it's no different than having Mandy Moore, the singer, come and sing a song and then play a mean girl in the first one than it is to have Raven Simone play a princess who can sing and dance in this. You know, I just right. I didn't think it was like super fair of people to sort of make that like oh it's well because she did this and she had the song with julie andrews it's disney-fied i'm like i don't i don't Mm -hmm. get that at all i think it's very much the same vein as the first one yeah it's funny because i was like so this is why she wasn't in cheetah girls 3 yeah like she was over here in genovia when they were in india would you not take up the opportunity to sing with julie andrews for the first and last time she will ever sing in public i would be on a plane right now if somebody called me and was like you're gonna sing with julie andrews that would never happen but i would like I there would be like one of those cartoon things where all you see is the cloud of smoke and like I would just be gone. Yeah. No, Raven Simone said that she like genuinely cried when she found out they were yeah. gonna be doing that together. And I was like, who wouldn't? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't mind it. I am actually very endeared by that whole part of the movie. Yeah. And I'm happy that Raven was in it, honestly. Me too. And I thought that whole part was actually really funny because I was like, children at a bachelorette couldn't be me, sis. But it was so fun. They're mattress surfing. And I was like, that's yeah. cool. And Julie Andrews did that whole standing on the mattress stunt scene by herself. Yeah. No stunt double, just did it. And I'm I love like, that's that. so fun. And that must have been so fun to film. Like that had to be yeah. like the best day. Honestly, that's on par with like Mary Poppins sliding down the banister. I love yes. that. Um I also love how Mia like mixed the CD. She was like, Can you perform? But like I also mixed the CD and I was like, Yes. So should you be ruling or should you just abdicate and be a DJ? I mean, all the music in this was so good. They literally had Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson (gasps) while they're walking and doing the parade. They had, I forget what song played during The Bachelorette, but like the music in this was so good. Every time I hear Breakaway now, I like wave indiscriminately out my window. (laughs) They had, um, what was the song? Um, Trouble, I trouble Yes, yes. At the, yes, so good. And Can we just say, like, what a seamless transition into Breakaway. Like, I still think about it today. Give the editing, like, the sound editing department a raise for this because, like, the drum roll was perfect. And then all of a sudden they, like, hit the cymbals and it's like, da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh! (laughs) Yeah. Such a seamless transition. This movie feels early 2000s. Like, the music really puts you there. So good. Um... So <laughs> I just want to say, like, I love Paolo. Paolo is my spirit animal. 
You look like a very pretty moose. Make all the boy moose go, wah. <laughs> and the part where the one stylist annoyed him and he just silently sprayed her in the face. Yes. <laughs> he is a whole mood. I loved him so much. Him and I think like Joe and Queen Clarice are my favorite characters in each oh, one yeah. of these movies. Um, and again, they all remain consistent yes. through all of the movies and they are like the foundation of it, even as Mia's changed and growing because they are all the same it feels like a, a yes. continuation like from the first movie the same energy is in these quotes when like queen clarice yes. is like thank you trolley people and then in the second <laughs> one she's like thank you culinary people i'm like <laughs> i'm like every time i leave a restaurant now i'm gonna be like thank you culinary people <laughs> A queen is never late. Everyone else is simply, simply early. early. Um, so I only have a few more notes, but the first one was like the archery part where Mia's trying to hit the uh, target. I'm like, I think about that scene all the time. I'm like, <laughs> how many people are just chilling behind the target? I'm sorry. Like someone's doing target oh, practice. You're thinking about that part. Yes. I'm thinking about when Nicholas comes and helps her and oh. they have like the touching moment. And Typical. I'm like, call. I'm like I'm like biting my fist. <laughs> Stuff's like the tension. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> um, I also I I did just want to say like one of the things that I don't like about these movies is when they're like, oh Clarice, like Queen Clarice, you're being too hard on her. You're being too hard on Mia. I'm like, no, I am always on Queen Clarice's side. I will never, <laughs> never choose Mia over her. Like, Mia is an adult. She's going to rule a country. Lay down the fun hammer, Granny C. Like, lay it down. <laughs> Finish her. Like, I don't understand why everyone's like, oh, Mia, she's just, she's just a kid. It's like, she's 21, which is, like, still kind of immature. But at the same time, like, she needs to grow up. She needs to learn not to run out and, like, be with this other person like I, I don't understand yes to that for the first part but I think when she gets caught after sneaking out with Nicholas and feels like he's completely betrayed her I definitely did agree with everybody where it's like okay she knows she did wrong and she already feels bad enough like no need to like further twist the knife with that like she yeah. knows she's totally humiliated like she knows that it's bad I feel for Mia in this one just because it was almost like the tent scene from the first one where she got humiliated, but yeah. it just kept happening over and over, like with the horse thing. Yeah. With the whole getting caught, you know, sleeping beneath the tree, all of that, like it, I just felt bad for her in those moments just because I was like, those are the embarrassing, like from the first one all over again. And that sucks. But yes, there are, there's many other ones where it's like, Mia, come on, come on. Yeah. I was about to say, and like, there's. That's understandable, but at the same time, it's like she's putting herself in these positions. Like, Mia, you're engaged. You're engaged to someone else. You cannot be sneaking out. And then just being like, oh, no, a paparazzi. Like, no, you're going to be followed. It just, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, she's definitely putting herself in the situations. I just feel bad for her just because yeah. it's like she already feels bad and she knows she messed up so like why pile on you know like she's a, at least she's adult enough to go like I know I screwed up I know that 
I messed up here. Right. Yeah. But there's definitely scenes where I'm like, yes, Clarice is definitely in the right for being like, hey, listen, you're literally about to lead a country. You're making me nervous. Yeah. Please get your stuff together. But yeah, I, I don't know. I very much feel for her with the whole Nicholas under a tree scene because she was like heartbroken. Like that yeah. was that was hard. And Nicholas was such a sad boy in the part where he was like, I don't think it would be good if I went to the wedding while like clearly yeah. dressed for the wedding. It was, <laughs> he's like fully like got his suit on and he's like, maybe I should stay home. Like the Grinch when he's like in front of the mirror and he's like, that's it. I'm not going. Yes. <laughs> like it would have made so much more sense if he was in like sweatpants and just like staring at the uh, at the tux in the corner. But this man's fully dressed, just like laid out on the couch. Yeah, he <laughs> the drama of it all. <laughs> He's like, that's it. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. He definitely still goes. Um, I will say, like, one of the other things that I had to say about this movie was that it seemed like a lot of the people who worked at the palace were very incompetent. <laughs> and it kind of seemed like other than the main characters that we knew from the first movie and obviously like Nicholas and Andrew, that everyone around them was kind of dumb. Um, yeah. Or like, it just, it kind of seemed that way. Um, especially Mia's mom. Um, I will say she had like a baby. <laughs> like, her mother is just as bad as Lily. Like, yes, you're Mia, right. And you should say it. I will. I will say it. <laughs> Mia ran out of her wedding and she's like, Oh, let me go change my new baby's diaper instead of checking on my daughter who just ran out of her wedding. Like, yeah, what? What kind of mother are you? And then she's like, being married is about being yourself, but with someone else. Like, you couldn't be worse of a mother. Like, it just it made me so mad. And I was like, is the dad just like incompetent? Like, she can't pass the baby to his dad. Like it just yeah, it's it literally me... the English teacher from the yes. first one. Like, come on, we know he's capable. We know he's smart. Yeah, it made me so angry. I didn't think she was a great mom in the first one either. No. So I was not surprised to see that she was still equally as just mind off wherever in this yeah. one. And then at the coronation, um, well, I should say in the first movie they were like, "Oh, she's an artist, so she's dumb," and I was like, "I'm mad at that." First of all, and in this yeah. one, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, "Oh, she's a mom, so she's spacey." Like, no, no. Um, it just it was really, it was, it, I was mad. <laughs> I should just say, yeah, I was mad. And then they show up at the coronation in the end when Mia gets crowned as queen, and there's no baby. Like. Yeah, the baby was such a prop that kept coming in and out. Like the baby yeah. was there and then it wasn't there. Like on Friends when they find when Ross and Rachel have a baby and they're like the baby's here sometimes but then it's not here at other times yeah. and we make no explanation for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if the baby's not at the coronation, why was it at the wedding? You know? It yeah. Just, it made no sense. Um but my last note is I did get sentimental and super emotional at the end when the Genovia national anthem is being sung and they're like, she's the queen of Genovia. And like Charlotte's like the eagles flying for the last time. And she clearly I gets, cry every time ugh. she says that every time. And I didn't realize that's Gary Marshall's daughter. But that's so like, that's so yeah. sweet. And like when she said that and her voice cracked a little bit, I was wrecked. I was like, yeah. <laughs> 
No, every time she says the eagle is flying for the last time, I cry every single time I watch this movie. (laughs) It's so sad. Every time I watch this movie, I think about how when uh, Kate and William got married, the royal couple, and my mom texting me and being like, the royal wedding's on. And I distinctly remember texting her back and saying, the only royal wedding I have ever cared about (laughs) is Princess Mia Thermopolis of Genovia. (laughs) That's the only royal wedding I have ever in my life given a crap about. (laughs) Yes. And can we just acknowledge that like for a brief moment, Joe was king of Genovia. Just saying. Like, he's king of our hearts, but he was king of Genovia for, like, a hot five minutes. Does marrying the queen regent make you king? Or does it make you, like, like a something else? Like a duke or something? Right. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how But I also don't understand works. Genovia, so I'm like... <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I don't Anything get it. The pairs, who knows? <laughs> I'm like, everybody... I assumed it was, like... An Italian country, kind of, but everyone speaks like French, <laughs> Italian, like they yeah. have British accents. I'm like, yes, it's I very don't confusing. understand. <laughs> um, like we love the inclusive, the inclusivity of it, but it just it makes no sense. So yeah, yeah, I have no other notes, no further, no further notes. All right, so let's jump into our critic ratings. So for critic ratings. You all know how I feel about this. The 2004 (laughs) film Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement received a mediocre 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb, a horrible 26% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a 59% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, but four out of five stars on Common Sense Media. Now for our ratings, which is the only ones that matter, we can rate this film on a scale from A plus to F minus. A plus meaning this film makes me want to move to Genovia or fall in love with my mortal enemy. It's such an adorable addition to an iconic franchise, and I still have the Genovian national anthem stuck in my head. F minus meaning I still have the Genovian national anthem stuck in my head. Please make it stop. The film was horrible. They should have stopped after the first, and I will not be rewatching this again. Based on this rating scale, how would you rate Princess Diaries 2? Princess Diaries 2 is an easy, easy A minus for me. This is a movie, like I said, I rewatch it a lot. I love it. Um, I'm giving it an A minus because of the plot holes just and some of the clunky writing yeah. here and there. So I think for that reason, it can't be an A plus or an A for me, but I rewatch it all the time. So it would be remiss of me to not at least put it in the A category. So <laughs> what about you? I think this is probably one of the first movies that we disagree on. Ooh. Um, I'm not going to give it an F minus, but... I will say I'm probably going to give this a B um, just because of the plot wells that it had. Yes. Not just holes. <laughs> the craters. Um, yes. Um, I I thought it was really cute. And I think that once you take it for face value and you know it's a Disney movie and it's going to be kind of cheesy and the mm-hmm. writing's going to be kind of off, you can still enjoy it. Um, but I wouldn't rewatch this. Like, I wouldn't go out of my way to rewatch this. Um I thought it was really, really cute and kind of heartfelt, especially at the end. Like I said, I got choked up. But yeah, this isn't one that I would like run to to rewatch again. That's okay. I'll do it enough for the both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate your service. (laughs) 
Well, guys, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. Be sure to give us a follow if you don't already. Also, please be sure to give us a rating on whatever listening platform you're using to tune in. We appreciate any and all feedback. Or you can even reach out to us directly via DMs or email. We can be reached at ChasingChildhoodPodcast at gmail.com. And as we said before, July is a month of sequels. So be sure to join us next week for another wonderfully nostalgic episode. Thank you, nostalgia people. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, random citizen. (laughs) Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.